0: I think part of the reason people don't want to sit with a feeling of loneliness is because you start to feel like I am a lonely person. You really feel it full in your body. You take it on as part of your identity. But because microdosing shuts down the part of our brain that makes up our ego, like our thinking mind, the part that like identifies us as self, me as me and you as you, separation, when that quiets down, we don't personalize lonely. We, he could be like, oh, I was mad. I was angry. I was experiencing anger, but he didn't feel like I'm an angry person. And so it makes it a little bit easier to sit with the feeling. It both brings it up, but it creates space for it as well.
1: Welcome to the Spiritual Shiftworker Podcast. I'm Lyanne, and I'm so happy that you've pressed play today. This podcast is here to inspire you, but more importantly, to provide you with the tools you may need in order to make a shift in any area of your life. Whether it's a small shift or a big shift, I will be sharing real-life stories from incredible humans who have done both. And of course, as a shift worker, we will navigate all the ups and downs of working shifts from nutrition to learning how to ditch the overwhelm to creating more time to do the things that light you up. So grab that Java, sit back, and enjoy. Welcome back, beautiful souls, to this week's episode of the Spiritual Shift Worker Podcast. And if you listen to the intro you will know what this week's episode is all about. This is seriously one of the best things that I love about podcasting, is that I get to speak to amazing humans and talk about topics that I don't know anything about and where I actually get to learn, um, you know, something new, something different, uh, be able to expand my knowledge on different modalities and just different ways of being that is like it lights up my soul so if you did listen this uh, podcast episode is with Julie and she is a micro dosing mentor and this conversation weaves in and out of a lot of different topics we talk about obviously magic mushrooms and we talk about just drugs in general how the sort of the scene of drugs and the acceptance of drugs and plant medicine is changing and we're moving more back into the healing modalities of nature and, and bringing that to the forefront. And yeah, we just talk, um, you know, what it can do, how it relates to meditation. And I just really, really love this whole conversation. If microdosing dosing uh, is something that interests you, You can find all of Julie's information in the show notes. But I'm excited to share this episode. Like I said, when I get to learn something new, I am super, super excited to share it with all my listeners. So if you're ready, uh, grab that Java. Let's get started.
0: Hey, Julie, how are you? I'm so good. I'm so excited to be here and to talk with you today. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yes, thank you. And welcome to the Spiritual Shipworker Podcast. So as we were literally just before I hit record, this podcast is um, about making shifts in your life, uh, little shifts, big shifts, and how people are doing it in a really full and aligned manner. And so I would really love for you just to introduce to the listeners uh, who you are, where you are, and in this version of Julie in like 2023, what you are really excited about.
0: Mm, Okay, awesome. Thank you. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Julie. I am a microdosing mentor. Um, overall, though, I'm a psychedelic facilitator. I love to help people get the most out of psychedelics, do it in a safe way, to do it in a way that's going to further their well-being and create lasting changes. Um, I'm also a certified coach and a breathwork facilitator. So that comes into my work quite often. Right now, I'm in Cartagena, Colombia, but I'm based out of San Diego and, um, Oh, I'm so sorry the last question popped out of my mind
1: um what you, yeah what are you excited about
0: oh, what am I <laughs> excited about um well I think I'm doing that I'm traveling traveling has been something that obviously with everything was kind of put on the back burner for a few years and this year I'm very committed to reinvigorating my love and and actually doing the darn thing so here I am and then the thing that hasn't happened yet is I'm gonna hike up to Everest base camp um, in October.
1: Amazing! That okay. So I think I, I, it's so funny when I start these conversations with my guests. I'm like, okay, I already, I already see a part two. I already see, I already see another conversation because that is kind of huge, right? Like that's that's really a big shift, and to be able to mindset in regards to do something like that. So I know a little bit about your story. And as I mentioned, I do like to tell my listeners sort of how we connected. And I appreciate that you reached out to me. So I love that. But we're in a community together. Um, and we're another recent guest, Steph. Uh, uh, we are all sort of in there together. And I know that you have sort of like me, a other life. Like, this isn't my life. This is like, I love doing podcasting, but I have another life. So. I know that you're a former lawyer, so let's go back into that briefly and just talk about that and how it's sort of, you know, how did you get from there to here?
0: It's funny talking about there to literal here because I literally got to Columbia um, in undergrad. I majored in Latin American studies. Um, I love Latin America. I'm so passionate about it. And I always felt this desire to do something positive in the world with my time. And in my mind, it was go to law school, become a lawyer, and then serve communities that are underrepresented, that are systemically mm-hmm. oppressed. And I, you know, realized in working in the law for three to four years, um, post law school that the law isn't really created in a way that actually helps people who need it. It's created in a way that helps corporations and people with like tons of money. And it was just very disillusioned. It kind of left a bitter taste in my mouth. And I thought, okay, I'm still so committed to helping people. How can I do that? And coaching became the, the natural byproduct of that desire of that dream. And from there, psychedelics really became a way that like I see true transformation real life changing results for people every single day and I feel so much more fulfilled in this work than I ever did as a lawyer
1: Mm. okay so um, I'm a police officer here in Ottawa so talking about being you know (laughs) disenchantized or whatever that is in regards to the justice system I I totally hear you right like we deal with the same uh, clientele over and over again. And there are some really great lawyers out there who obviously really do want to help people, but the system really, like you said, it's not, it's not set up to help. And that isn't just the justice system. That's just social, everything in society right now. So I think that's amazing that you, you know, shifted out of that and into what you're doing now. And I think I do not, not know anything about psychedelics so this conversation is going to be really good um and so maybe what so was it just that you were just not realizing that it wasn't fulfilling for you or was there a specific thing that happened where you were like I'm out okay I'm done I'm, I'm moving across the country and I'm leaving the profession
0: well you know when you thinking about like your emphasis on small shifts that's really sort of like what it was for me was I realized I came out of the out of school very I don't want to say self-righteous but maybe naive of like I'm going to change the world I'm going to take on the law the institution head on and now I see that every time I have a positive interaction with one person when I can focus my energy directly on that one person and give everything I have to the person I'm currently serving in the moment that ripple effect is so much bigger so we think we need this like broad focus we need to have like a quote-unquote global impact but what if we could take on even a moment of kindness to someone else to me I see so much more beauty and benefit to the world from that it doesn't mean we think it has to be this big thing but really it's little steps
1: yes yeah it it You're. you're absolutely right and I love that because uh, a simple gesture a simple thank you a simple hello could really change somebody's life right because we never know what's going on we never know what's going on with people so I yeah love-
0: you, you're never sure and so I guess I just realized like I was never going to be the person who single-handedly of course like Made the justice system actually serve justice, whatever that means to me. Right? it was like, okay, well, this isn't working. So, what else can I do?
1: <laughs> All right. So, how? Okay. First, maybe we should. I'm not sure if we go should go to the how did you get into psychedelics and microdosing, or what what that even is. Whichever you'd like to start with.
0: <laughs> maybe I'll start with what is microdosing, because if someone doesn't know when they're listening, to this, they're probably like, "What is this girl?" um so i want to clarify that microdosing doesn't refer to any one like thing in particular you can microdose a lot of things um you can microdose cannabis you can microdose lsd you can microdose really any substance but i work with psychic i work with psilocybin or like magic mushrooms so microdosing is the practice of intentionally taking a very small amount so a fraction of a normal dose like a dose that someone would take in order to like You know, go on a journey or aka trip. So you're taking a small dose. It's sub perceptual, meaning you don't see it, feel it, nothing like it. And you're like, okay, well, if I'm not doing it to see anything or to feel anything, why am I doing it? Well, you're doing it because it produces the same positive effects in your brain and it allows you to essentially reprogram your brain because the default programming in human beings as of right now is very unsupportive and we're rewiring it to make it optimized
1: hmm okay very interesting I would certainly not I mean when I deal with the the drugs at work it's certainly not like this right um and so how how did you get into this how how did this come about
0: <laughs> also funny that I'm here because the person who introduced me is my friend Steve and he lives in Colombia now <laughs> um part of the reason I came was to see him in his organization but he was back in the States, and he said, "I want to show you this company that I invested in. Come with me, and we went to visit it and he was like, "Here, you know here's a microdosing enough for a full protocol. Go try it, let me know what you think and I was like, "Okay, I don't really know what you mean. I mean he knew that like I'm a bit of a I was a bit of a psych but not like privately, you know, like I had definitely done mushrooms before and I had heard about microdosing, but I also really like to do my own research. And so I started looking into what is microdosing? How do you do it? What did he mean by protocol? And I mean, I got, I'm so deep in the research at this point. I've read the books. I've read the studies. I've read all all the things. Um, And it's funny. I was doing more traditionally like executive coaching because I'm a former lawyer. Uh, I was a corporate attorney. I understand how businesses work. I was sort of doing that thing. And I wanted to use it on myself because I felt like there was sort of a glass ceiling in my business, like a next level that I kind of had to push through a little bit. And I was meeting resistance and I wanted support energetically to like push through it. And so I did it and I talked about it on Instagram because I'm very open. I sat with ayahuasca. I talked about that on my Instagram. People seem to like when I share my experiences, honestly, and people started saying, I want a microdose. Can you help me? Teach me a microdose. And my business just organically turned in that direction because I was listening to what people wanted and how I could help them.
1: Mm, and that's, and that is, that's it, right? Being authentic and sharing something that you're, you know, clearly passionate about and using your own experience. I really, really love that. So, okay, we're going to probably go in the weeds here a little bit, but so magic mushrooms, how is that, like, as I honestly, I know nothing, even though, like, when it's so funny at work, because we have a drug unit, right, and they deal with all the big drugs, and I'm like, I don't know anything, and that's okay, because I just, my brain is already full, but, like, obviously in Canada, cannabis is is legal now, Other right, so you can buy, there's tons of cannabis shops, but how does that differ? Like, what what is it about magic mushrooms that because like I've heard, and again, I haven't done the research, that's a lot of the, the weed and the cannabis can actually work in your brain in the negative way. And maybe that's, maybe I'm wrong. Um, but how is how are magic mushrooms different?
0: Than cannabis in particular?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's start with that.
0: Okay. Well, for one, so cannabis, I think also gets a bad rap because it can bring up a lot of discomfort. So I found that when I can take enough cannabis, right, so for me, that's like five to 10 milligrams, definitely a lower dose, That I'm still aware I'm not like, you know, totally zonked out. But when I can take a small amount, and I notice a maybe it's a bit of anxiety or paranoia, and I can like sit with that feeling of, okay, what am I worried about? What's this what's going on? And I can be introspective and have kind of a dialogue with myself then I find it's okay and I can move through it. But I know a lot of people feel that paranoia and panic. Mm -hmm. And that to me is like where the problem with cannabis is. Um, or they are using it as a means to escape and they get so stoned that like they have no idea what's going on, which of course, like to me, that's not no right, no wrong. But like, you know, you're not helping yourself if you're just avoiding and pushing down the feeling. Um, so cannabis you know is more of a depressant psychedelics are definitely more stimulating so like you're not going to go to sleep on a psychedelic some people i feel this way some people feel like when they take um their microdosing supplement they get a little bit of natural energy so i don't feel like i've drank coffee or like an energy drink but i feel focused present and clear um and psilocybin is a is a stimulant psilocybin works with serotonin receptors i believe that cannabis works with dopamine receptors so your serotonin receptors are doing different things and then it just produces different changes in your brain as compared to cannabis I, i'm not i don't feel like an expert in cannabis by any means but i do think psilocybin often brings you more like creativity and clarity and things and i think cannabis can sometimes bring up more of those things that you kind of get to work through like points of discomfort.
1: Okay, interesting. Okay. And you mentioned just at the beginning when you started talking about it how you know using the microdosing how you're rewiring your brain. And So, can we go into that a little bit more because I'm really curious because I I'm I meditate, I teach meditation um and so I know what how that works and maybe it works the same. So maybe we can explain that a little bit.
0: Actually, you're 100%. There's so much correlation between psilocybin and meditation and there's one thing in particular that psychedelics do that i find so interesting and i think is the most powerful so i'll share that one because i could go on for days but there are certain structures in your brain your prefrontal cortex your posterior cingulate, posterior i'm missing a c in that word but anyway yeah. there are several structures in your brain and scientists are starting to refer to the connection between these structures as your default mode network so default meaning where your brain goes when you're not engaged in this conversation. So maybe some of you were listening to us and then your mind wandered and you were somewhere else. That means your default mode network is activated. So it's, you know, where you go to ruminate about the past or to project into the future, maybe to do like worst case scenario thinking. I like to think of the DMN as where we often go to play victim mode, right? Like, oh, that didn't go well, or that person wronged me. Maybe when you fight with yourself in the shower and you think, oh my God, I should have said this. So that's activated 48% of the day in the average person. Like that's a lot of time we aren't present. And a very cool study out of Harvard shows us that happiness is not the car you drive. If your boyfriend's hot, how much money you make. Happiness is how often are you present? So if most people spend 48% of their waking time not present, that means half their day is unhappy. Yep what psychedelics do, just like meditation, like this is why meditators are so are generally much happier people, is because they quiet their DMN more often, and they can figure out how to be present, how to hold space for their emotions, how not to run from uncomfortable feelings, they can just constantly be able to take it in as it comes. So you can get similar effects from like expert manifest meditators and psychedelics, they're both quieting down that part of your brain, But if you're really, if you're really new to meditation, or maybe you have a lot of anxiety and you find it really hard to kind of quiet down and connect with your breath, let the thoughts go, or at least not attach to them, then psychedelics can be really helpful to get you there.
1: Yeah. Okay. Oh my God. I love that. Yes. Because that's, yeah, meditation is, is the thing that's definitely like ruminating over things in the past and that worst case, exactly what you said, right? Like that's. And having patience to deal and all of that, that is amazing that, that you can use the psychedelics to do the same thing. And so you mentioned breath work as well. So how do you incorporate mm-hmm. that? I mean, that's so, so powerful. I'm just actually learning and starting to do, uh, I'm doing a somatic healing course starting in September. So I'm super excited, but um, how do you work the breath work in with the microdosing, or do you?
0: I do, um, because breathwork has so many positive benefits. And, you know, part of breathwork, the type that I facilitate when you kind of can shut down your prefrontal cortex after like eight minutes into the forced state of hyperventilation, that's when your subconscious is really open. And so I have pre-recorded sessions in my microdosing program where you go through the breathwork practice. And so if you're microdosing and you've opened your subconscious mind and shut down your thinking brain through breathwork and I'm hitting you with all these affirmations and like, sharing these things with you, like it's really sinking in, it's making a difference. Um, And I, I, I microdose and breath work all the time together. And I've had many people message me and be like, microdosing and breath work literally changed my life or these are the best things. And so I'm a big component proponent of both.
1: Of both. Yeah. And so is that way? So when you have clients that are coming to you, what is it that they're wanting to resolve? Or like you said, break sort of that glass ceiling when it comes to maybe coaches or executives? Is it is it limiting beliefs? What is it that seems to be the most common thing that they're wanting to work through?
0: Oh, wow. I mean, I really get such a wide variety of, of reasons people want to use microdosing, um, but the most common ones are definitely struggling with anxiety and depression, don't like medication or feel like medication hasn't worked for them or... Uh, you know, want to get off their medication, but also people with ADHD who really don't want to be on medication anymore, want to find a way to focus naturally. Um, And then I would say it's like entrepreneurs who they know that they're great at what they do. They love what they do, but they kind of have a hard time. Maybe it's executing, getting out of their own way with their mindset. Like you said, limiting beliefs. Um, I would say those are my three biggest groups. Um, Also, I have a lot of moms. Moms who don't want to feel so impatient with their kids. Moms who feel like they beat themselves up a lot because they're not the perfect mom. I mean, I do have a lot of moms now that I think about it, but yeah, those <laughs> are the major
1: yeah that's huge. Um, I'm glad you brought that up actually because, um, mom guilt and, um, because I like like taking care of yourself, especially, I mean, not just as a mom, but as a human, um, taking care of yourself first, right? So that, as we say, you take care of yourself first so that your cup overflows. Um, But the mom guilt and the, you know, I'm, I'm not good enough. I yelled at my kids today, like, honestly, trying to get the kids out of the house. It was like, oh my gosh. But that is huge. And I think that's really important for people to understand that there's an alternative to medication. Like, I... I like all alternatives before we get to that point. And I think that it's coming so prevalent where I think the side effects of whatever medication that a a general practitioner is going to give you, the side effects are not going to be very good. So are there side effects to what you're doing? Like the microdosing? how does that affect, you know, sort of, because you said it's like small doses. So is there,
0: are there side effects? Um, great question. I want to say at the jump before anyone's thinking this, no, you're not going to trip because it's such a small amount. So if you're worried, like tripping is a side effect. It is not. (laughs) Um, (laughs) okay. To me, when I think about side effects, one side effect can be that you might deal with uncomfortable emotions. So I talked about, we talked about cannabis, right? Like sometimes that anxiety or paranoia rises to the the top because that's what it's there for. With microdosing it can bring up feelings, not necessarily anxiety or paranoia. I'll give you an example. Um, a client of mine went through the program and luckily he is a coach as well, so he's in his own work and he understood that this was like it needed to happen in order for it to be released, but he got felt a bit agitated while he was microdosing because he realized he was really so angry at his ex. And so by the time he went through the module where he did the breath work mm. and he leaned into the process and leaned into his discomfort and feeling angry after that it was a much different story because he didn't resist the uncomfortable feeling because most people don't want to feel angry we don't want to be mad we don't want to feel lonely or sad so we avoid 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 if microdosing forces you to lean in and but after that session he was like oh yeah totally okay cool like I can move on now I can use this work to I think his focus was like creating sustainable months in his business. He's like, now I can focus on that because I let the anger go. Mm.
1: Interesting, right? Because the anger had nothing to do with his business, right? Yeah. And it's it's crazy how those emotions that we push down and try to avoid and, you know, oh, it doesn't bother me. They do come back in other ways. I love that. It's It's so amazing to me how, you're right. People don't want to sit with uncomfortable feelings, right? And so- doing yeah. the microdosing is just sort of like a, is it like a little push, right? It's like gentle into that. Do you, how far do you go?
0: Yeah. So it's, it both brings the feeling up because in order to heal it, you get to feel it, but it also makes it a little less scary to be with the emotion because the best way i can say this is that psychedelics help you depersonalize so i think part of the reason people don't want to sit with a feeling of loneliness is because you start to feel like i am a lonely person you really feel it full in your body you take it on as part of your identity but because microdosing shuts down the part of our brain that makes up our ego like our thinking mind the part that like identifies us as self me as me and you as you separation when that quiets down we don't personalize lonely. He could be like, oh, I was mad. I was angry. I was experiencing anger, but he didn't feel like I'm an angry person. And so it makes it a little bit easier to sit with the feeling. It both brings it up, but it creates space for it as well.
1: Mm, Thank you for that explanation. That's very clear. I hope that the listeners got that Um, because that's like meditation. Like you said, it, it sounds very similar, right? Like after you sit in that meditation, you can almost see yourself as it's all neutral and that you can accept where you, the neutrality of it yeah so good i honestly like so you're in Colombia, like let's i don't even know so we talk about like i know what's illegal in canada i know what's legal in canada but is our psychedelics are those legal in the states or like i don't even know
0: so they new states are opening up all the time um decriminalization efforts are first here um so like decriminalized in many parts of california um so no not technically legal um this the sources that i recommend to people are companies that i know are standardized their facilities are temperature controlled because there is a risk in mushrooms of like you don't grow them right and then they're moldy or something so i know that the companies i work with provide safe sources and they're pre-measured which is nice because you take such a small amount that it can be hard to think like oh i'm gonna just take this little bit and this will be the right amount no you really please don't do that <laughs> <laughs> um but no so efforts are underway decriminalization but or is he, sorry i'm doing thumbs up because we're talking to each other I, and I gave a thumbs up i totally um, saw that <laughs> Um, but legalization, no. However, like it's very, it's trending very quickly and I'm very confident 2035. Yes.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think there's some countries I know, uh, Portu- I think it's it Portugal that a lot of, like a lot of their drugs are decriminalized, right? And that they've, they're seeing, it's an interesting topic, seeing a decrease in actual crime, which as a police officer blows my mind, right? To think that that, but the society has worked and set up to actually support people who are wanting to, you know, get off the drugs or to do it even, even in a more safe environment. Like I think what we're offering here in Canada with some of the safe injection sites, I know we're sort of going on a tangent, but I don't think it's actually supporting the people the way that they need it. So I think there is definitely a a call for some sort of decriminalization with some things um again that's that's the law enforcement aspect of things where for me right now I don't I don't see how decriminalizing a lot of the drugs would actually benefit society unless we have all the other support things in place so
0: yeah I mean I think you bring up a great point it's like we there is something else going on that is causing people to want to do The amount of drugs, the type of drugs, the intensity of drugs that they're doing—right, like there are so many factors at play—and it seems like a lot of these things are type are sort of band-aids. But thinking about the idea of band-aids and going back to our conversation about like pharmaceuticals, I really see most mental health pharmaceuticals, which totally agree with you. It's like that's your first thing. Here's a pill. Try it. Try it. Try it. it." Overprescribed, but they don't get to the root of why people are anxious. Why are they depressed? Why are they struggling? And I see microdosing psilocybin and psilocybin in general as a tool to finally understand like what's the mold that's growing within us that is causing us to feel this way instead of taking another drink or smoking enough weed to not have to think about it anymore or whatever else.
1: Oh, yeah, you just you just like spoke my language there because there comes a point and I know once people are in the cycle, it is, it's hard. I mean, I see it's hard to get out of that, but you're right. There's another reason why people are heading towards these things that numb them out. And like you say, go on a trip where they don't have to feel like there's something at the root of this and prescribing a pill isn't going to cut it anymore. And I, I see, and I'm sure you do that, There's so many alternative things that are coming out that are, well, not coming out, they're just coming more mainstream, I guess, um, that are getting to the root of the problem. Alternative medicines that we shouldn't even call alternative. I think it's just, you know, healing modalities, I think is a a better term.
0: You sparked something when you were talking about, you know, people getting so deep into their addiction. So, I know we think about psychedelics as drugs, and in the United States, there's Schedule 1 drugs. Psychedelics are actually, in studies with like rats, they're the one thing that a rat won't go back to, won't take it again, Um, and it's non-habit-forming, and it's actually something that you get such a quick tolerance to it, and that's why you have to take breaks with microdosing, or else you're kind of like... "Mm." it's almost like taking too much vitamin C and then you just like pee it out or whatever, <laughs> you know, it's like you can take, too, you take too much. It's not doing anything for you. Um But also psychedelics have been very helpful for people who are struggling with addiction, particularly alcohol. Bill Wilson from Alcoholics Anonymous. He said that a big LSD trip actually saved his life. And when he talks about giving over his like power to something bigger than himself, than himself, he connected with that feeling during the LSD trip of like, I'm not in control. I can surrender my addiction. I can surrender the need to be right. And I can just be at peace with myself in the world. Oh,
1: wow. That, yes. I think that is amazing. Like, you're right. It's that, I was going to ask you about ayahuasca as well. Because I know a few people that have had that experience. And I know that that is same thing. It's the holy shit moment. Like, it's, it's again, seeing beyond this 3D human thing and being able to look deeper. And so you said you've done ayahuasca as well. Yeah. And so what is, and maybe just briefly explain what that is. I know it's plant medicine, explain Mm -hmm. that to the listeners. And then in comparison, how does that work with, with the um, uh, psychedelics?
0: Um, So ayahuasca is also a psychedelic ayahuasca is the a vine and a leaf and when you mash them both down there is an maoi inhibitor that is activated so it allows the um, dmt to actually be like processed by the body because normally if you were to take dmt your body wouldn't like just pure dmt your body wouldn't process it so when you can start to digest it and metabolize it it's a very powerful psychedelic and they call her the grandmother and I mean she will bring you to your knees like I if you feel a calling to her I really believe like we all receive callings from different things but -hmm. if you just think this is something cool you want to see on the internet please reconsider like figure out if it's a true desire for you or not for me it was a very I, I thought about it for several years I felt like she kept being like yes 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 and so I went and It was one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. But I also know, like, I feel very strong in my mental capacity. um, And I don't think it's for the faint of heart. Psychedelics, so psilocybin in particular, they call them the little teachers, los niños santos, and the little children. And they're so playful. Like, to me, mushrooms are very light, even on a big trip, because I do facilitate macro journeys as well. And I facilitate and I partake in ceremonies facilitated by other people. But I felt like it's, it's more lighthearted. It's more fun. It's not yeah. as heavy. Um, and I think you can learn through pain as well as through pleasure. And it's nice to lean into that space of learning through pleasure as well.
1: Yes, in all areas, right? Like, I mean, we could, yes. you could go into how I've, I've really seen um, sort of a rise in talking about like, you know sexuality and how there's so much pleasure that people i mean we know that that's what it's for but so many people have you know restricted themselves from that as well and so how that's really being evolved i want to just go back a sec because i'm we were talking about um the gentleman i can't remember his name was about aa where he sort of went in and it was like is it like seeing, I would imagine like when I meditate, I sort of see outside of myself and I believe that I'm speaking to my inner voice, my inner voice, my inner being, my higher self is giving me that guidance. Right. And so is that like, you're sort of tapping into that when you're doing the, the mushrooms with it least that sort of, or is it more just like changing and rewiring more than to, to break of that pattern?
0: Rather than the actual guidance? So there's definitely guidance there, 100%. Um, and I like to tell people every journey is different because everybody is different and everyone's experience is different as well. Um, and so I can't quite remember exactly how he shared his experience, but I believe that he felt connected to a higher power. Like he realized that there was something out there bigger than himself. Um, and that is what allowed him to, like, he felt like he had to hold on to it, right? Because he was in control, but when, which he wasn't in control, the alcohol had control over him right at that point. But when he could see something bigger than himself is when he was able to say like, I don't have to keep holding on to this. I can let it go and I can let something else kind of take over and come in and lead the show. And so, you know, that's very in line. Like when I sit with psychedelics in a deeper way, I feel like I'm, I realize that we're all connected, but like this one little ego piece that I identify as Julie is so small in the grand scheme of things. And we are all spiritual beings having a temporary human experience. Like that's how I feel. Um and it's really like let me know that. Yeah,
1: so temporary, right? And this is where so much fear uh is out there, people have fear of dying, right? And it's like when you understand mm-hmm. that all of this I mean, we all know on the, like, when you look at it, we know this is temporary, but we don't really understand, or people don't, if they, people don't have a faith, they don't know what's next. And so we get trapped in these fears. And I like, like, when you can attach to something that's bigger than yourself, then you are okay with sort of jumping over those fears. That's the way I, I'm like, this is all just temporary. So why are we not all just here having fun? Right, it's it's hard as fuck though sometimes to not get serious about shit,
0: right? <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I mean attachment. I don't. I think Buddha said attachment is the root of all suffering. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, attachment to things, to people, to mm-hmm. this world, this earthly world. And when you can let go of that, when you let go of that, it it can really all change because you can literally jump in to do anything. I love that so much. So, okay. That's back to the microdosing here as we,
0: Oh yeah. Okay. Great.
1: Com- <laughs> great conversation. I'll, seriously. But okay. So when someone wants to start or someone who is interested in this, um, who's feel called, like who's feeling called. And I love that you explain, like, cause I've heard the same thing about ayahuasca is that it's like, like, it's not for the faint of heart for sure. But someone with, who is like, Oh, I think, I think I want to try microdosing. First of all, obviously they're going to reach out to you, but where did like, what do they start with? How does it, how do you even get into this? Like.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I do like to have conversations, obviously to make sure it's like a good fit and something that will truly benefit them. Um, But when you jump in, I guess there are a few different paths. So for instance, I'm thinking of someone I just worked with last night. He's also in Canada, Um, but he's working with me at more of a one-to-one level because his intention is to titrate off of antidepressants. Mm-hmm. And so I created him like a custom protocol or schedule to follow with like certain amounts and you know considerations for coming off of the medication and additional supplements to take. But then we combine that with weekly coaching. So like, how is this process going for you? Like, it's really interesting. Those are sort of the things we've already kind of uncovered. We've only worked together a couple of weeks, and I already see like he has a really hard time giving himself um, praise for things that don't have anything to do with his product. which I think is common for men. Like they feel worthy because they can produce. So we're getting into some really cool things. And, you know, that's like the deepest way to to work um, with me. But I also have a beautiful program called Uncover Your Magic that's already ready for you to go. So you get the welcome email that has everything you need to get started, recommendations on places to buy that I know are safe um and have great products and then you start the program so it tells you exactly what day you are going to take it what day you're not going to take it and then for every day there's a little um training uh so one day I talk about forgiveness I talk about the fact that forgiveness is something that you give yourself you don't need to ask for forgiveness for anyone else and in fact if someone doesn't want to ask for your forgiveness it is always within your power to forgive them anyway um so sort of like we jam about that idea And then there's a forgiveness hypnosis, where I take you through a very powerful prayer via hypnosis, where you're able to let these things go. And then you write down 25 things that you're ready to let go of today, and you burn the list and you let it go. So every day is kind of like that in my program. And it has things that are specifically targeted for aspects of healing um, with different areas of focus sort of for different groups of days. But it's very impactful. And it's like. I also like think holistic, right? Like Mm -hmm. it starts at what's your big intention for the process. And it ends with um, a transformative meditation that takes you through your biggest limiting belief and helps you let go of it and put a new one in place.
1: Amazing. And that's all in conjunction with the microdosing, like with whichever days and such.
0: Mm -hmm. Very
1: cool. And how long is that program?
0: That's a full protocol. So that is, 30 days, 30 days. Very
1: cool. And so you mentioned at one point, like, it's not something to stay on like constantly. So if somebody does your program, then is there a certain protocol of how long they should be off before they even do it again? Or is it a yes. one time? So I,
0: <laughs> I tell people to wait at least two weeks. So I have one person who has gone through the program. I don't even know how many times, um, but she always waits for two weeks. But every time she picks a different intention or like area of focus, right? So I think, you know, one of them was money. I can remember for her. And one of them was communication. But every time she goes to the program with a different focus, she gets different things out of it. And she always will like email me, oh, Julie, you know, money, this the forgiveness hypnosis. I realized I got to forgive myself for not managing my money better when I was younger. And she'll share things like that. So it's really cool because you can do it a ton of times and just pick a different area of focus. Mm,
1: yes. Because there's never just one, right? There's never just one thing. We're so multi-layered that there's always, I've, I've found myself in this journey is that it's like, you think you got it done. You think you figured it out and then something else pops up and you're like, oh shit, I have to deal with that now. Right. It's like, you thought you dealt with it. And it's like, nope, it's coming back to haunt you. You got to deal with that now. So. Um,
0: exactly. Exactly. And I add different things every month, um, except now I'm going to actually revamp it. Uh, it's been a year. I've had it open for a year. I love it. I always feel like I could be serving people at a deeper level. So actually, right now I'm going through the process of talking to people who have gone through my program. What did you love? What would you like to see more of? What could you leave? And I'm creating like 2.0 version. Yeah. Well, and that's that's
1: the thing, right? Reflecting and refining it, and and serving like right back to the beginning of our conversation about serving people in a different way, and that's sort of my sort of view on the podcast and bringing people's stories like your story to people that you know that I wouldn't be able to reach just living here in the city and serving the people of the community is that I'm serving people all over the world by bringing people these stories and I'm you know when you find something that you love and it's so funny I joke because it's like oh I interview people at work but this is different because this is like a two-way conversation. Rather than, uh, do you want to talk to me? No, you don't want to talk to me today. So I I think it's great that what you're doing, right, is you're bringing something to people in such a great way. And I think that everybody could benefit with unlayering a little
0: bit. Unlayering. Oh, I love that you say unlayering. I like to use the expression dusting off. I think we all collect dust. We're yes, yes.
1: there, <laughs> yeah. And I, and, and again, right. I think, again, you talked about the beginning about people are just so moms, everybody's living on autopilot and we're shoving down these emotions and, you know, not having hard conversations because it's too difficult. And eventually it comes a point where your body will tell you otherwise that it's time to take care of yourself.
0: Yeah. Your body really will, you know, and I just I'm happy I didn't get to a point that I was further along down a bad road. But no matter where you on the road, you are on the road. I just want you to know, like, it's never too late. You can always make a different choice. Mm-hmm. And when you think about like, small habits, my I wouldn't say it's like a different version of my program. But this new micro program that I'm currently running um, is all about layering small effective habits. So it's not like, you know, working out every day 90 minutes a day or whatever but it starts off with like taking radical responsibility for your life you know you are a cause for everything Mm. and there's simple things that you can truly take on and those are the things when you commit to them that make the biggest impact
1: yeah radical responsibility right ever i yeah no one's coming to save you no you have to take and, and people don't like to hear that people don't like to hear that right they would rather stay in victim mode and believe that everyone else is to blame. Right when you That's can, up. when you can take radical responsibility and admit your admit where you are, and that you have the opportunity, you get to make a choice. You can change anything you want to change. So, uh, and
0: I know it's uncomfortable, but it's hmm. it's so liberating, I think, as well to think like okay, if you're a victim, then nothing is in your control and you can't do anything. But if you're radically responsible, then everything is in your control and you can at least start somewhere. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You can start somewhere. And again, small shift, big shift, whichever you feel inclined at that moment, you can choose either or both. Right. So I I did hear you. um, I listened to another podcast that you were on and I, unfortunately, I can't remember what it was, but it was good. And I heard you say life wants to delight you. And I absolutely like lit up when I heard that, right? And I just, what is life? I mean, we've sort of talked about all of it because I can tell by the passion in your voice when you talk about this, how passionate you are. But other than the fact that you're also in Columbia, what else other than work and being in Columbia, what is lighting you up? What is life delighting you with?
0: Oh my gosh, that's a it's a middle finger to perfection podcast. I remember that conversation. Yes, that's what it was, yeah um what is life delighting me with wow um I feel so lucky to really be able to enjoy moments like I'm experiencing so many different things on this trip and I I feel truly grateful and I think my gratitude practice really informs like my level of joy that I can experience um I recently ended a relationship because I realized there were things in it that I wasn't getting that I really want and I think what's so cool about this idea that's really become a way of being for me that the, the universe seeks to delight me it's like there will always be something even more fulfilling on its way so I'm not worried about the past like why didn't that work out or why couldn't it work out I'm, I'm future focused on who knows what amazing person is going to come into my life um, but I also love that right now in the space that I'm in, I have two cats who are thankfully taken care of, but I'm at a place where I don't have to, you know, Oh, does it, is it okay? Or does it work if I go away for three weeks? Um, I don't have kids to worry about. Yeah. And I love that I have this freedom for myself at this time. And instead of thinking like, Oh, I want a partner. Cause I know so many women get stuck in that trap of I want a partner and that's going to make me happy. I'm choosing to enjoy my life for all it is and all that's available right now to me um yeah I also really love the book The Big Leap right now I would really suggest reading it if anyone's out there
1: so good so good I've, I've read it like two times so good so good yeah
0: yeah oh and I love to swim I went in the ocean the Caribbean Sea yesterday with my friend on a boat tour and I got to swim around and snorkel and like I'm such a mermaid and I was like this is my jam
1: yeah oh I love all of that yes travel is is definitely uh my thing and I did a lot of that before I got married and had kids and we take the kids like we we camp and travel every summer but we're planning a big trip for next year so I'm really super excited about that but thank you so much for this conversation I am like seriously been educated because like I said I I love speaking to people and and that are on the same wavelength but also learning new stuff and I think this is going to be a great, you know, pod episode that people are going to learn things that maybe they just didn't know about. So thank you so much. And if you could just share, you know, where everybody can find you and follow you all the things.
0: Thank you so much. And I, I really think it was interesting that we have like two sides of the, the same coin, like the criminal justice system and having these conversations about the drug epidemic. Um, Yeah, I really appreciate it. I thought it was so interesting. Um. You can find me on Instagram at Julie Savone. It's C Y V O N N E, but also I'm sure it'd be in the title. But it's my middle name. That's what I go by. And then it's the same for my website, uh, juliesavone.com. But if you want to learn about um, microdosing, you can go to juliesavone.com backslash U Y M, and that's where you'll find. That's where you'll find out more about uncover your magic.
1: Amazing, and of course, all of that will be in the show notes. So we'll make sure that you, anybody who is interested, can connect with you there. And again, thank you so much. And if you have listened to this episode and have found it as interesting and have loved it as much as I have, make sure that you share on social and tag both Julie and I, and uh, we will make sure to uh, shout you out. And don't forget to leave a five-star review. Thanks so much, Julie. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here with me today. If you loved this episode, make sure you subscribe and share it with someone who you think would love it too. And a five-star review helps get the Spiritual Shiftworker podcast out to those that need it most. I can't wait to connect with you online, so make sure you follow me on Facebook at The Spiritual Shift Worker and on Instagram at Lianne McGaughy. It's time to enjoy the shift, one breath at a time.